Good morning. Glad to be here this morning. Thank you, Pastor and uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord for giving me the opportunity to come and share you about uh, ministry, what God has called us to do over in Papua New Guinea. I am a native of Papua New Guinea. I was born and raised far outside of the town and the cities. I never dreamed what McDonald's looked like, (laughs) what Starbucks looked like, uh, what Walmart looked like. But growing up in a country, everything you have to do is walk back and forth. But here today, this morning, driving a nice car, I stayed in a motel. What a blessing. Thank you so much for your love for missions, and thank you for uh, providing everything you've done to help me get here and uh, be here this morning. I am here this morning because of missions. If there would be no missions, I wouldn't be here this morning. I am glad I'm standing here this morning because a man and a lady, just like you sitting this morning, who answered the call to go to Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is, uh, there is a large country in a a Pacific island, in Micronesia. There are three types of islands in, uh, in, uh, over in uh, the Pacific islands, island group, Micronesia, Polynesia, and Melanesia. And I am classified as a Melanesian. So New Guinea is the largest island in where I come from. Uh, Small islands are like Fiji, Samoa, and New Zealand. And a missionary by the name of John Gray, he was born and raised in Ohio, and he married uh, Mary Mary Gray from uh, Lansing, in Michigan. It's funny, Ohio and Michigan doesn't get along together because of uh, football. But God can put it together. <laughs> so they went to uh, Papua New Guinea <clears throat> in the city, and they left the city and went down to a small town called Kerema. <clears throat> and uh, they started a small church. But before they started the church, uh, <clears throat> John witnessed to the town chief. He got saved, and the town chief had a lot of land in town. He gave him a piece of land. Once the chief got saved... The chief adopted John as his, one of his sons. So the town of Kerama, the whole, the most part of the land is owned by this missionary. <laughs> Do you believe it? So they started a Christian uh, church and a Christian school. And uh, guess who showed up in the Christian school? The one standing right here. <laughs> I was born and raised in a culture far different, completely far from the Bible. The Bible was not uh, exposed and used, and God's name was not, uh, Jesus was not mentioned, not used. But if I can stand here and tell you about the strange culture that I was born and raised, some of the things is unbelievable, very demonic and satanic. That was my culture. That was what I was born and knowledge and educated, raised up from. Uh, my grandfather was a chief in the village, in my claim. 
if, you, if your grandfather is a chief in the clan, you're the happiest person. Because nobody will play around with you, mess around with you. They know they'll be in trouble. My grandfather was a very, very wicked man. But sadly to say, he died without the Lord, and he's in hell today. I was put in a Christian school so I can have a better education. It was an ACE program, very nice program. And uh, when I went to the school, the missionary said, uh, to stay in this Christian school, there are rules. I said, what are the rules? And he said, you have to be here for Sunday school, main service, evening service, one church service, Saturday clean up, go out past gospel tracks. I said, I can do that. Because I loved the school so much, I dedicated my life to doing, try to be there. He said, if you miss three Sundays, you will get a probation. And uh, fourth, you get spanking. He had a <laughs> board like this, and uh, he wrote on the Board of Education. <laughs> Discipline was really good. We, I didn't like it. Uh, three of us, myself, two other my cousins, but my other cousins, they were worse. They would run out of the ed- Board of Education office with tears rolling on. I said, how was it? <laughs> they didn't like it. But I'm glad a missionary started a Christian school and kept uh, <clears throat> disciplinary and tried to help the, uh, the, the kids to come to understand the Bible and help them build them to, to live and live for God. Um, so I was in the Christian school. I, I was faithful. I did everything for three years. But the most part that I didn't like about being there was church service during the invitation time. I was lost. I would go out, invite people. I was there for church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and Saturday clean up and hand out gospel tracts. But I was lost. I was a lost man. Every Sunday, missionary preach again invitation. The Spirit of God would get a hold of me, and I was uneasy. I was convicted so bad that I, I would struggle to come up and get saved because I was so clean to my clan and my culture, and I know if I got saved, I would lose all the rights. But I'm glad God saved me. After three years fighting and struggling with God, I've come to realize that if God wants you to do something, and if he's calling, working in your heart to do something, and if you're fighting against it, you won't win the battle. <laughs> God will always win the battle. One Sunday, I walk in the church just the same, and sat in the same pew that I will sit, waiting for the church service to be over. Every time the church service is, when the last amen is said after the invitation, I'm first man out the door and I'm gone. It was a relief. But this time when I walked in, I sat down, my missionary preached, and he preached so hard about hell. And he preached with passion about heaven. And he gave invitation. He said, behind you is a door. You will step out that door. Something happened. And if something happened to you, you either something happened, you will die, and you stand before God. And God will ask you, 
He said, if you are saved, then you stand in the presence of the Lord and, and you'll be in heaven. But if you die without Jesus, you will step right into hell. And in hell, you will open your eyes and you will say, I wish I got saved. And he said, God knows all about you. God sitting in heaven, he looks down at you and he sees your, what's in your heart, what's in your brain. And he sees what kind of person you are. And he said, I might not know you. Missionary might not know you. Pastor or your friends might not know you. But he said, there's only one person that knows all about you. He said, make sure you leave the door. You are right with God. And if you're not saved, get saved today. When he said that, that moment, the Spirit of God broke my pride that day. I realized how could a loving God try to save me or give me a life above and beyond that any other life could offer in this world. I see myself, God want to give me, save me, give me home in heaven that I will live forever and ever. Yet, devil was keeping me away from being saved. Devil wants to dump me in hell that I will suffer forever. That day, I could not get up and walk out. I was so broken. Church service was over. Everybody left. Missionary saw me sitting on my seat, and he walked down toward me. He asked me, can I help you with anything? I look up to him with brokenness, and I couldn't. I was, I was in tears. I was so guilty, I was so ashamed. But I knew I want to make things right with God. He asked me, and I said, I want to be saved today. He was surprised. He thought I was saved. He would collect all the tracks and put them in my hand and send me out the door. But I was lost. I was being a hypocrite. But I didn't get any far because God broke me down. That day, he read the Bibles and showed me the scriptures. He said, it's between you and God. Open your heart and pray to God. That day I bowed my head and I said, God, I am a sinner. I am not saved. I've been a hypocrite. But God, today I want to make things right with you. I want to put my faith and believe in Jesus that he died and paid for my sin on the cross. And he was, he was buried and rose again. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. God, save me today and use me. After that day, I got saved. I woke up, things were changed. I had my old dreams and goals, things what I wanted to be. I want, I, I want to be the next chief in my clan. But that day when I got saved and woke out, oh, God gave me a heart to serve him. And after that, that day, I... After I got saved, I graduated from Christian school. I spent two more years, just did an outreach, and preaching, and short mission trip, go out, witness to my family. Uh, I witnessed to my mother. She, came to, uh, she got saved. She's in heaven today. I witnessed to my uh, nephew. My brothers got saved. One of my brothers got saved. My other brother didn't get saved. But during the day that I was struggling with salvation, my dad passed away without the Lord. Every time I preach, I stand here, I have a hole in my heart that I will never see my dad again. I could have had the opportunity to witness to my father, 
My father was not an educated man, but he was a farmer, very hardworking man. <clears throat> Loved me, trained me, take me to the woods and show me how to do things. But he passed away without the Lord. Many years will pass and ages will pass. I will stand in heaven, presence of the Lord. But I will never, never see my dad again. I could not walk into the gates of hell and plead for my dad could be saved. You see how serious it is to help our loved ones to come and know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. My friends, we are saved. We are here for a short temporary of time. This is not our home. The song that said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passenger. It's very true, very sure. A lot of people ask me, so you're going back to New Guinea because you were born, you're from there. I said, Ron, I used to. But when God saved me, I am not from New Guinea. My home is in heaven. I could be in heaven any moment of time, if God allows. Monday, I'm going to jump on a plane, fly back to Ohio. But if that flight doesn't, plane doesn't make it to Ohio, I know where I'm going to be, in heaven. I got saved and led by to, to the Lord by a missionary and a disciple, trained by him, and worked for two years in a it is amazing to what God does with your life. To be honest, if I was just a, if I was just if I got saved and decided that just forget about God's call and God's will and just do my own thing, I wouldn't be here today. You'll be surprised when you surrender to the calling of God and see God takes you in his will. I didn't have the dreams. I didn't have desire or goal to be United States of America. If you would take a trip to my country where I grew up, you would not want to live there. But when you come back, you will realize how blessed that God has been to you. Maybe you don't see it because you're used to it. But God is so gracious, so good to us. I am going back to New Guinea, not because that is, that is my home country, not because that, that is not where I'm born and raised. That's because I love the country where I, I want to be in there. I am going, we are going back because we want to reach people just like me, who grew up in outbacks and who've never been in a city, who've never seen a Starbucks or McDonald's. But we can show them road to heaven through Jesus Christ. My family and I, we are on deputation. We're raising support. Go back to New Guinea, start a church. A place where I witnessed, I did a survey, I did preaching. But there is no other church in that location. And God has given us the burden to go plan a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church, salvation through Jesus Christ alone. So you pray with us as we make preparation and go back and start a church. Um, we are about 50% of our support. Are we still waiting for the next, another 50%? And um, trying to raise the support, it's not an easy job, especially when you, when you grow up in a different country. 
But God is so gracious. God has humbled my pride and helped me with my patience and uh, travelings and everything. God has been so good and gracious. I will show you a slide, tell you a little about, uh, show you a little about what we are doing. We are Omega families. Uh, my wife's name is Kristen, and my son is Oliver. Uh, they are not here. My son has a ear infection. Uh, so it's pretty hard, so they stayed back, and uh, I was able to travel by myself. Um, we got married in February 29, 2020. It's, it's a very lucky day, date for, for me. Do you know what date is that? It's Olympia. We got married in Olympia. That way I have to wait till four years to celebrate my anniversary. <laughs> so it's, 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 it helps me a lot. So if you're deciding to get married, go for the Olympia. <laughs> Saves you a lot of money. I hope the, the young men, the young boys are listening. Uh, that's our pastor right in the middle. He married us, and uh, we were very grateful. My wife and I met, and uh, uh, she started coming to our church and uh, involving in the ministry, about vacation Bible school and everything. And um, my pastor encouraged us, mentored us, and makes you know that uh, this is what God wants us to do. And I'm very grateful, married a young woman who have a passion and a love for God and wanted to step in and step out where God is calling us to. It would be hard for my wife, but uh, <clears throat> her love for God and uh, want to be in the mission field, it doesn't, the comfort doesn't hold her stay back because she want to go and see, uh, reach out to the lost for the Jesus Christ. Next slide, please. We're sent out of a small church up in Ohio, pretty close to Cincinnati, uh, as Independent Baptist Church, and we are with a Global Outreach Ministry. They help handle our funds, and they help uh, deal with the tax uh, with IRS, which is a very big help to me because I have no knowledge of how to handle those. Next slide, please. <clears throat> like I said, I got saved at the age of 20, let me, uh, let missionary led me to the Lord. After I got saved, I surrendered my life full-time to the call of God to involve in missions. And uh, faithfully serve the Lord until standing today. My greatest desire in my heart is to see somebody that is lost come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that God will lead me to people, random people, give me the opportunity to share them, tell them that Jesus loved them and died for them so they can have hope and so that they could not die and go to hell but have everlasting life in heaven. My wife grew up in a broken home. Her parents were very abusive, but she got saved through a church, Baptist church that lived uh, had down the road from, from them. Uh, the pastor and his wife took in my wife and their si- her siblings and kind of became like a mentor to them, loved them and try to be with them and comfort them. And because of what they have done, uh, that has helped my wife to catch the glimpse, uh, vision, passion for God and, uh, and the missions. Uh, she got saved at the age of eight, and um, she's been involved in serving the Lord in the ministry until the day we met, and uh, we're still serving the Lord together. Next slide, please. Now, that is the missionary couples. 
who brought the gospel to me. She has passed away in 2011 because she had a stage four cancer. And he's still serving the Lord. Her wife passed away, first wife passed away. She didn't, uh, he didn't quit the ministry and came to the state. But he came to the state and remarried and went back and still reaching my people, uh, people of New Guinea, for, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've seen and learned from those two couples. She was very close. She was like a mother to me, <clears throat> a spiritual mother. After I got saved, it was very hard because I lived in the cultural area surrounded by unsaved people, even my families. So it was, it was being a stumble block, trying to witness them, and, and uh, I, it, was, it didn't work. Ended up, they said, why don't you come and stay with me, stay with us? I'm glad they extended their love to help me grow in the Lord. And because of their investment, what they have done for the Lord, I am here today. Everywhere I go preach, I remember them because of their love and sacrifice to reach out to help me. Next slide, please. A little about Papua New Guinea is um, right above Australia. Population is about 9 million. I would say half the population live in the city because of uh, uh, jobs and a lot of I think a lot of people like city. So they come out and buy stuff in the city and they go back. So city is like a main gathering area. Um, capital city is Port Moresby. We have 840 different languages. Don't ask me if I know all of them. I'll go crazy. I can only speak three others, um, but I'm still learning how to speak English. I don't know how that small island got that many languages. Probably believe half of the people who, were, who got out of the Tower of Babel probably hitchhiked and moved over there. <laughs> That's why we ended up 840 different languages. We have a parliament democracy. Um, we're still under Queen, but Queen passed away. Now we're still under King of England. We have a prime minister. The main uh, language in that area is Catholics, Catholicism. The main cult, um, economy is agriculture. New Guinea, we only have two seasons, rainy and dry, just like Florida. <laughs> and when I realized that I was flying down to Florida, I was like, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's pretty cold up in Ohio, and the snow, snow stays all I would never get used to snow. When I first came, I saw the snow, and I asked, did that come out of the ground? <laughs> and they were like, I was crazy. They said, no, it came from the above. <laughs> but it is so pretty. I was just tickled to death when I saw the snow. Oh, I touched it, and I look at it, but it was so cool. When I first got to the U.S., uh, to the college, they put me in the dormitory with four or three other guys. And it was during the snow. It was so cold in the dorm. And I say, guys, can we just make fire, big fire in this dorm? <laughs> they said, are you crazy? They said, I said, hey, that's what we do in New Guinea. 
When it's cold, we build a big fire in the middle and everybody get around and we sit down and we talk and we sleep beside the fire. And I said, uh-uh, if you, if you make a big fire here, there will be a f- police vehicles, there will be fire trucks, you will be probably in, be in jail. And I was like, what? It don't make sense. He said, culture confusion. <laughs> yes. But I didn't realize that. But I, I was, it was so cold, I, I doubled up and uh, I had three layers of clothes. It, 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 was, it was still cold. I was like, oh, these this clothes are not helping any. But I survived it by the grace of God and I'm still here. <clears throat> so don't go up to Ohio in winter. <laughs> Next slide, please. This is our ministry God has called us to uh, do. Uh, I say it's our ministry, but literally it's not our ministry. It's God's work. We are just the vessels. Uh, surrendered, answered to the call. Allowing, stepping by faith and letting God use us to accomplish this ministry. Church planning. <clears throat> we like, like I said before, we like planning a church, that a place that I used to go and preach and outreach. There is not even, it's about, an, I would say it's about three hours, three or four hours away from the city. Some part of it you would drive to get there, some part of it you have to walk for two hours. A lot of walking. And uh, after we uh, just planned the church, uh, we like to train the manual men, try to work with them, uh, programs like uh, outreach, go out just like you do here in the state, Go out the door knocking. <clears throat> um, go out in the public areas where people meet and sell this stuff. Uh, I've done that before uh, by the grace of God. <clears throat> we would go out and I would preach in the open area with a microphone and a speaker. After I'm done preaching, give an invitation to see if anybody would step want to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, want to accept the Lord as their Savior. And after that, uh, whoever group of people who are with me after the preaching they will go out and start handing out gospel tracts. And uh, it is, I wish you would go and see <clears throat> what it is like to do an open-air out- outreach preaching. Here it's pretty hard. Huh? Uh, it's just because uh, the culture, whatever that is. But, but in New Guinea, when you stand and preach, you will see a crowd starts with five, two, or three, and the crowd will increase. And they'll be, you will see everybody, if they get tired of standing, they will sit down, find a place to sit. If the sun is too hot, they will find a shade to stand, just want to hear the word of God. That's how New Guinea is. And uh, I'm very grateful that people uh, wanted to hear. Evangelism, we like to do home, street, and public school. Home is we go to homes and have a Bible study. With a, even though they don't go to church, but... People in New Guinea, like uh, local people like me, um, they open their home if they know that you are, a, uh, they call it man of God, walkman of God. If you tell them, walkman of God is a pigeon in New Guinea, it's that you are God's servant. If they know you are walkman of God, they'll open the door and say, come in, come in. And they will sit down on the bare floor, not a chair, not a recliner, on a mat. Uh, so they want to hear what you have, what you have to say. That's how culture in New Guinea is. And uh, street preaching, stand in the street corner and preach. Uh, we also have a public school ministry. That is, you go in a government school, and uh, they'll give you an hour to teach them the Bible. And it's, 
I'll be honest with you, I've done, we've done that before, before I came to the state. <clears throat> Some young people are too hard to reach <clears throat> because of the distractions. But then when they are in government school, if, the, if that period of time, they has to be in there to get a credit uh, attending that, what they call religions activity. <clears throat> uh, so they require pastors to go in and teach the Bible. So that will, part, that will be the part of ministry I will be doing. I will go in and share them the salvation, the gospel, and if they get saved, and after the school, they go to different, they are, what kind of villages they come from. And if one person gets saved in, this, in the government school during this time, I will follow him and go into his village. That will open an opportunity for me to go preach. And if I preach and people get saved, that's, that's a sign that we will start a church in there. So that's a kind of... A, idea of uh, reaching out in places in New Guinea that hard to reach. And we also want to have a discipleship uh, program for children, youth, and adults. And uh, that will be the part of the ministry that we will do. Next slide. <clears throat> the greatest needs we now have is need for support. <clears throat> it takes finances to fly, build a building. I believe you know that. Uh, I can, I can just go and preach and see people saved, but I cannot help them give a building so they can go in and worship God, so they can invite their families, go in, sit in the shelter, hear the word of God preach. I cannot give them, but if I have the support, the finances to give them the building, I can give them the gospel. It doesn't take. It's free, but I can help them give them the building when they can sit and hear the preaching, if only God can provide the support through his people. We need support. That's the biggest uh, need we have. We also need prayers. If you could get our prayer card and pray for us, that would be a wonderful way of encouraging what God has called us to do. I have, I've heard people say prayer can do what money cannot accomplish. That is very true. Money is limited, but prayer is not limited because we have unlimited God, and I believe in the power of prayer. We have a short trip coming up just to help my wife uh, prepare her before we go, go in full-time. We're looking at the end of next year. We will go out for full-time to study church and settle for some years for the ministry. But in the middle of next year, in July, we're planning a short mission trip. My wife is, was born and raised uh, <clears throat> here in Florida. Uh, she moved up to Ohio, that's where we met. But she's never been out of country. And uh, I just want to help my wife, encourage him to get her prepare what kind of people that she will minister to, what kind of things that she need, how she can better prepare herself. That's why we're taking a short survey trip. I mean, I can go. I don't need a survey trip, <laughs> but for the sake of my wife. You know, coming to understand the ministry of God, that to know that your wife is the biggest part of your ministry. If my wife is not very supportive, doesn't have a hard person for the work of God, if I have that person, passion, that it will be hard for my ministry. But I'm very grateful for my wife, the desire heart she has. Next one. We have three P's that you can participate. 
what God has called us to do. First piece, participate financially. Prayer, participate in prayer. And the last piece, participate by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our duty. Let me ask you one question. Who would, who would like to change places? I'll take your place and stay here. You take my place and go to New Guinea. Would somebody be willing to do that? That's okay. It's very understandable. See, New Guinea is not just an island or country. It's a people there that God loves them too. The same God sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Same God loves you. And the same God loves them too. I don't think anybody in here want to go to New Guinea. Because you're going to miss driving your car. You're going to miss being here in Jupiter, Florida. You're going to miss Starbucks. You're going to miss Walmart. You're going to miss everything. But God will overflow your heart with joy of serving him. That's why we can, you, can, you can go to New Guinea by being part of us. Whatever that God wants you to do to help take the gospel to New Guinea so that God can uh, help us reach the loss for New Guinea. I want to close with one verse as my time is up. The Bible says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sent by faith that is in me. That scripture speaks of my life. I was born and raised in the middle of darkness. My family, my clan, were all darkened by the power of Satan. But I'm glad the light came, and I'm standing here today. Let us help reach out to those that are lost. Thank you very much. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.